Welcome to the Superpowers for Good Show, folks. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and uh, we have a fun topic today. We're going to be talking with Trista Harris about the future of good. And so this is going to be a discussion that uh, you're, you're going to want to replay, I think, over and over again to get the notes on this one. So stick around. Uh, Trista, welcome to the show. We're just thrilled to have you. Devin, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you and your audience. Well, uh, we appreciate that. I, I, I've got to just jump right in here. I'm I'm kind of just champing at the bit here to uh, to talk to you a little bit about this crazy uh, uh, picture of you with uh, you know the the robot hug. What is going on here? So I was at a futurist conference, uh, the Abundance 360 Network, and they brought the CEO of the company that's developed this robot, who's intended to replace a human on a production line. So you don't have to, you don't have to program it. You move its arms and you show it what you want it to do. And it works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, and costs a lot less than a person would cost to have on that production line. And so, um, I think there is possibility in robotics and artificial intelligence of freeing humans from repetitive work. There are some challenges on the horizon, obviously, that we're doing a lot of work at Future Good to think about what is a more beautiful and equitable future look like where we can use these tools, um, but not get the sort of dystopian science fiction version of the future that I think many of your viewers are probably a little worried about. It, it is easy to worry about the future and, and the future is kind of here uh, yeah. You yeah. Know, in the last year. Uh, my use of technology has changed more yeah. than any time since I bought my first computer in mm -hmm. 1985. Yeah. Uh, so it's, this is, you know, this is a long time mm -hmm. I've been using tech and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, this, this is really wild. Yeah. How do you see this impacting the future of good, the future of philanthropy? Yeah, I think that there is a ton of innovation that's happening in artificial intelligence. I've been watching AI for the last 10 to 15 years, and my feeling about AI has been this isn't worth my time. Like you, you try tools and you go, I could I could do it faster. I could do it better. This is really clunky. Uh, when I tried ChatGPT, I was like, oh, this is OK. We're here. I get it. We are we are now in this place where artificial intelligence is going to be driving a lot of our work. And for the social sector, this can be a huge benefit. How do we use these tools to free up time on fundraising? Um, how do we develop customized fundraising letters for a donor who is in their mid-40s and is most interested in your XYZ program? I mean, suddenly we can, we can move to a place where we're harnessing the power of technology um, to get rid of, rid of that um, sort of repetitive work that we have within the sector and free up humans to do work that only humans can do. Spending time with people, strengthening our community, strengthening our democracy. I think we're building a future where there, that is possible. The, the caution of these times are uh, many companies and many nonprofits and foundations see these tools and they go, oh, good, we're going to let go of some of our staff. We don't need as many. We can get a lot more done with less. And suddenly we have an economy where the only people that are working are the robots and they're not buying anything. Um, and so we need to, to move to a future where we're taxing these tools appropriately and making sure that those dollars go into things like universal basic income. 
Uh, for organizations, I think we're going to move in the industrial revolution, we move from 80 hours a week to 40 hours a week because of the technological innovation. Um, I think with this AI and robotics revolution, we could move from 40 hours a week of work to 20 hours a week of work, which would be amazing for society as long as we're still paying people for 40 hours a week of work. So we've got some really uh, important conversations that are coming up where we have to decide what do we want our ideal future to look like. This really is just a fascinating conversation because it is so scary to think about uh jobs and things you know i i remember it's been almost a decade since i had a conversation with an uber driver in the early days of uber yes where he's telling me his he really aspired to be a truck driver and i was thinking dude that career is going away yeah you don't want to jump into that in five years it's gone well of course it's been nearly and it's still not gone, yeah. but we are closer every day to that reality. So it's it, it's scary to be thinking about that. I I like the way you're beginning to frame some of this thinking. Now, you have written a book, mm-hmm. uh, Sure of Good, mm-hmm. and and in that book, uh, it is kind of a cool cool thing. You, you talk about uh, Richard Branson mm-hmm. uh, because he, he's in the book and in this picture he's literally it has his head in the book yeah um tell us about your connect you had him on your show you've been out to necker island a time yeah. or two tell yeah. us a little bit about your book and your connection to richard branson so in in 2015 i had a, a an amazing leadership fellowship and as one of the things that they wanted you to think about is how you were using this fellowship to stretch your network and um, who is the person that you wanted to connect with? And so other participants said, oh, I, you know, I want to talk to this professor at the U of M. I'd like to meet this author. And I thought I could, you know, I could do that now. I could I could reach out to the university professor. I could reach out to the author. Who, who is the hard person to reach that will help me get a clear idea about what the future of philanthropy looks like? And so um, immediately Richard Branson came to mind. His Um, Philanthropy is amazing, and it's about solving some of the biggest challenges that exist in society, cleaning the oceans, dealing with climate change, stopping the war on drugs, um, ending global conflicts. I mean, these are no small problems. And he has figured out how to leverage some of his companies for that transformative change that he that he wants to see in the world. And I wanted to ask him how and why did did this happen? And so the other folks in my cohort said, I don't I don't have a Richard Branson connection for you. I don't I don't know how to how to make this connection so that you can have this conversation. He's a hard person to connect to. And uh, a couple months later, there was a notice that he was speaking at this uh, national philanthropy conference. That's uh, an organization that I was really well connected to. Um, And so I arranged with them that I would be able to do this interview with him before he gave his keynote. He agreed to do the interview because he spends probably about 80% of his time on his philanthropy and people just want to talk to him about like going to space and how does it feel to be so rich and have your own island. People don't want to talk to him about his philanthropy. So I was really excited to have that opportunity. Um, we had a really great conversation. I learned a ton. And that was at the conference in D.C. they were speaking at. And at the end, I felt disappointed and I couldn't figure out why, because it was this big, hairy, audacious goal I accomplished the goal way faster than I thought I was going to. And at the end, I was like, oh, 
well, was that, was that it? Um, and I was really kind of digging deep and trying to figure out what the issue was. And I realized when I was a teenager, I saw um, Miss Mariah Carey on MTV Cribs on Necker Island uh, for her episode. And in my head, I thought of this conversation as something that was happening at Necker Island. And so that is very, very much a first world problem that I got to have this interview, but not in that space. A couple months later, I got an invitation to go to Necker Island for a convening that was on the future of good. Uh, and then got an ask to speak at that conference and attended and got to spend um, the, the week with Sir Richard Branson and a bunch of other change makers and, and learned a ton. And it really was this transformative experience. And when I was leaving the island, you have to take this boat to go to a different island where you can catch a plane. Um, and the boat slowed down for a minute because Richard Branson was kiteboarding wearing a tuxedo in front of us because there was some sort of photo shoot or something that was happening. And so he let go of it and waved. Yeah, just I was sleeping. And I was like, this is what I meant. Kiteboarding in a tuxedo, of course. How else would you kite? Obviously. How else? And I yeah. was like, this is what I meant. When I said that I wanted to interview Richard Branson, this is what I meant. Him kiteboarding and us being able to have conversations about what the future of philanthropy looks like and how to create change in a world that's rapidly transforming. So it's it's been a real gift to be connected to the uh, community that is uh, tied around the work that's happening on, on Necker Island and was able to go back and I'll be going back again next year. Uh, and the second time I went back, I was able to share the book with him, which he's which he's featured in, which was a real gift. Oh, that's great. Now, uh, you, you've also done, you know, Necker Island isn't the extent of your international travel. Uh, you have been, uh, I think you said this is, uh, a picture of you Brazil. Uh, in Brazil, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing there. So there is a there is a uh, world conference that is really about ending racial inequity uh, that happens every couple of years. And uh, this one was held in Brazil. I brought a group of foundations with me uh, for that conference well, to, to learn for a, from a global perspective about what does it look like to, to end racial inequity. Um, and then see the huge challenges and opportunities that exist in Brazil. And so often I will take uh, groups of change makers on things that we call field trips to the future, where you take them somewhere to see what the future could look like in action. Um, and this was an opportunity really to, to jump into what is a more equitable future look like? What is our responsibility in that future? And what are the possibilities? How fun, how fun. I, I You know, you've done just some amazing things. Um, as you think about your work today, you, you've set up a firm, Future Good. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the, the nature of the work you're doing there. Yeah, Future Good is about five years old, and we are a consultancy that helps visionary leaders build a more beautiful and equitable future. So we, we do that through um, strategic planning and strategic visioning work, we help people understand future trends that are going to impact the transformation and change they want to create in the future. Um, and most importantly, we teach people how to use futurism skills in their work. So uh, when I started my own futurism learning journey, what I realized is there were not other people from the social sector in those spaces. There was only people from the business sector figuring out what we want to purchase next. Uh, and from the government figuring out who's going to hate us next. But people that do good for a living, our whole job is to change the trajectory of the future. 
And we didn't have access to what I think is the most useful tools, futurism tools to be able to do that. And so in my learning journey, it's been really about how to harness those tools and ensure that they're accessible to people that work in the sector. Um, and so instead of, you know, I speak at a, a lot of social sector conferences and I, I love going and saying, here's what I think the future is gonna bring. But what is even better is when people in that local community or experts on early childhood education or experts on the future of rural communities or transportation, they learn the futurism tools and they're able to say, here's what I think is coming next. Here's what I'm noticing. Here's my, my highest hopes for our ideal future. And so through Future Good Studio, we train people in a three month time period in a cohort of peers how to use these tools in their work and really supercharge their impact. Well, I think it's just, uh, it's amazing work that you're doing and, and it's been so great to chat with you. Um, you know, folks, uh, I am, we're gonna come back uh, to visit more with Trista about her superpower, but we're gonna take a short break here just to um, show a couple of key messages here, but we come back, we're going to talk to her about her superpower. So stick around. Learn how to build stronger communities with investment crowdfunding on December 20th at 1 Eastern. Dorian Dickinson, founder and CEO of Funding Hope, will explain how to use investment crowdfunding as a tool for community building. Register today at thesupercrowd.com. We're grateful for the support of our sponsors and co-hosts. Ever wonder if you can raise money with a community round on WeFunder? It may not be as tricky as you think. You can start right now. Start in under two minutes. Visit wefunder.s4g.biz or scan the QR code to begin. Give it a try. Want to learn from the world's great changemakers? Find your superpower. Subscribe to the Superpowers for Good newsletter at superpowersforgood.com. Make your strengths into superpowers that will change the world. Join the super crowd today. Superpowers number four, good.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with uh, Trista Harris. She is the president of, of Future Good and also the author of the book by the same name. Uh, just a fascinating discussion we've had with her, but we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk to her about her superpower. Uh, Trista, you really have done amazing things. And, you know, we've been talking about your experience with, with Richard Branson. And, and, you know, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, amazing stuff you've done. What is your superpower? So my superpower is helping other people predict and shape the future. Um, it took a really long time for me to get to the bottom of that piece of it is really about other change makers in the world. And I, I remember I had a great executive coach and I was... Uh, stressing out during this, this same fellowship that I talked about earlier because I still had resources left and time left. And I had done all the things that I said I was going to do. And I was feeling a lot of sort of stress and strain about this. And the coach said, go like, go to a beach and write about what you learned. Why, why are you so stressed? And I said, I haven't figured out how to solve all of the problems yet. And so if I've got time and resources, I should like learn a new tool or do a new thing. And she goes, oh, oh, I, I understand what the problem is. She said, just so you know, Jesus and Gandhi were both on earth. They did great things and there's still things left to be done. And so maybe you should lower the bar for yourself about the change that you have to create in the world. And that really helped me to get to this place of my, my superpower is really about 
helping people in the social sector use futurism skills. And they do amazing things with these tools. And my work is just helping them get smarter as they're doing that instead of me needing to fix all of the problems in the world. Well, that's, that's genius. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of us, I know I certainly feel um, at times like I'm personally responsible for 100%. solving all of the world's problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, in a way, I'm glad, I'm even proud of feeling some personal responsibility. Yes. But at the same time, it can be overwhelming. You feel like, oh, I'm making no progress, you know. Yes someone else was mean to someone else today and you know <laughs> it, it, you know it, there's just an infinite number of, of problems you can't solve them all so I, I appreciate that you've been able to identify a way to help other people and and to get that leverage and the and the ripple so you don't feel the entire burden on your own shoulders um i wonder if you could think of a specific example of someone that you helped perhaps that faced a real serious challenge yeah and you were able to help them see a new tool a new path some future tool i think you called it that would allow them to move forward toward a solution uh that was helpful can you think of an example to share for sure so i host um, mastermind retreats and it is for people in the social sector that want to figure out their next level of impact and transformation. And my very first mastermind retreat was in Northern California. And one of the participants said, maybe I want to run for office. I'm not sure. Somebody else that was at the retreat, she had run for office before unsuccessfully. And so we had a really engaging conversation that lasted over many hours about the challenges of running for office. The, the woman that had run previously said, it is hard. You have people personally attacking you. She had young kids at the time. She said, it took all of this time and energy. You really struggle to get your name out there. Um, and at the end, I didn't win. And it was a huge disappointment. You've put your heart and soul into something. And then at the end, you, 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 know, you don't have this role that you were so hopeful about. Um, and it was probably like two o'clock in the morning by then. And we said, oh, we, sh we should go to bed. It's late. And we started to go up the steps and she turned around and said, but every single leadership opportunity that I have had since then has come from this fact that I decided to step out and say, I am willing to lead. And here's the things that I care about. And everything is different and better because I made that choice. And we were like, you, you buried the lead. Uh, and, sh and she said, I want to make sure you know, you knew what you were getting into if you decided to do this. And so soon after the retreat, um, this woman decided to run and um, we fundraised for her and we had a, a group chat of encouragement. One of the members of the mastermind became our finance chair for her campaign. Um, and she was elected uh, the, the youngest and the only Filipino-American uh, woman that had ever been on um, the county board for Hennepin County, which is the, the largest county in Minnesota. Um, at that same time, because she decided to run, other women of color decided to run. And both of them were the first people of color that were ever elected to that board in our state's history. Um, she now does national work around counties and, and still has this position. Um, and it was, she's creating amazing transformation and change in the world because she made a decision to jump into her leadership. And I think for me, it is creating the space where people can think about 
their long-term impact. When you look back at the end of your career, what do you want to have accomplished? What's the change that you wanted to create in the world? And what are the things that you're doing today that make that future possible? So I am, I am so proud of the many amazing things that participants in those masterminds have decided to do, including switching sectors and um, writing books and starting businesses and deciding to adopt babies and deciding to be a thought leader on work-life balance for women in the sector. Like there are amazing things that have come out of people just giving themselves a couple of days to imagine something different. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's really helpful. Now, quickly, I want to just ask, what tips can you give us? Uh, you know, your, your superpower is helping people use future tools. Give us a couple of tips here as we wrap up. For sure. So I'd encourage you to set aside 5% of your time for the future. So um, during that time, set Google alerts for yourself, future of whatever the topic is that you're interested in. Um, if you have a really innovative organization that does similar similar work to yours in a different state or a different country, get their e-newsletter. And then in that couple hours a week, I like Friday afternoons because it's a little bit quieter, read those articles um, and read those things that are coming through Google Alerts and start to ask yourself, what might this mean for our organization? What is possible as a result of this different vision of the future? And what should we be doing now? And if an organization can have lots of staff members that are starting to do that and share what they're learning on a, on a Slack channel or uh, in Chatter and Salesforce or that sort of thing, if you start to link articles and say, I think for us it might mean this, and somebody else on your team says, it might be this, it gives you a clearer and clearer picture of what's possible in the future. It also allows you to, to harness what can feel like challenges and volatility to get you faster to the future that you are really hopeful for. And I think that's where real transformation and change comes in the sector is when we have a clear picture of here's what it looks like if we're successful 30 to 50 years in the future. If we fully met our mission, what does that look like? For many of our organizations, we don't have a shared picture of what that future looks like, which in the present means we're doing lots of different activities, pushing in lots of different ways because we're not moving towards the same picture of the future. Yeah. Uh, uh, brilliant, brilliant advice. Thank you so much. As we wrap up here, I wonder if you would take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more uh, about your work, how they can engage with you, uh, how they can get your book, yeah. uh, you know, uh, where they can follow you on social media. You know, take take a minute here and make sure people know how they can best follow up with you. OK, yeah. so we're we're on all of the social medias uh, at We Are Future Good. Um, our website is wearefuturegood.com and there you can sign up for a newsletter every month. We're sharing different trends that we're paying attention to. Uh, we host uh, mastermind retreats. We also host Future Good Fest, which is a virtual version of the mastermind retreat where you can use the same tools and take that time for yourself at home instead of in beautiful Palm Springs where we're going to be this year. Um, and then uh, the Future Good book is available anywhere that books are sold. We have it on our website. Um, but you can get it from any of your local booksellers. Fantastic. Well, uh, I'm so grateful that you would take the time to be with us today. Thank we you. love the work that you're doing. And, and uh, I look forward to reading your book and to uh, subscribing to your newsletter and, and getting your advice and counsel, because 
you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have some gray whiskers and I'm eager. I'm I've eager to figure yeah. out how to, how to, um, you know, plan for a future. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's easy for people of a certain age, some of whom resemble me, uh, to think of the future as your problem, the problem yeah. of, of the next generation. And yet I expect to be around another 30 years. Yeah. I think, th I think I have some stake in the future. So I, I, I I'm going to subscribe. I'm going to follow, going to learn from you, going to read your book. So, uh, we want to see you succeed in all the great work that you're doing. So thank you very, very much for being with us today. Devin, thanks for having me. And thanks for all that you're doing to build a more beautiful and equitable future. All righty, let's do some good.